Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Today I felt like that um, he just kind of gave me a couple of one-liners that I kind of pursued with him. And so obviously it's really on his heart right now that we realize just in the openness of what an open heaven provides, I, I just look at it like it's just complete access. And really think about all the ways that we just thought that humans were incapable, especially if you were raised in religion. You know, God was sovereign. We had no idea what that even meant. We just said it a lot, right? Yes. I mean, really, we don't even know. We didn't even know what that meant. I've heard people quote it a lot. And then we really didn't know our role. You know, I mean, we... We were shocked when we had so much authority and power and responsibility. And the older that we get, I mean, just think if you were, I kind of look at it like this, that we all, people who grew up, especially in a pastor-led church, I love, uh, Bill talks about it in this book, Open Heavens, that I'm reading. And he said that the title of pastor is hardly even mentioned in the Bible. But the word apostolic or apostle is mentioned over 70 times just in the New Testament. So we kind of, he talks about how that we have um, biases to titles and functions. And I think, you know, one of the things that, um, that I think I want to propose to you today is that if we don't understand the leadership structure of something, I'm trying to give you, I feel like I I have a prophetic analogy today. And so, you know, I'm just going to give you the analogy and then what a good king would do is they would search it out to see how it applies to them. One of the things that happens to us, and I I honestly think it's because we came from a pastor-led church, is that when things are spoken if it's not exactly every event exactly applies to us then we kind of throw out the whole thing and i think that comes from that we weren't taught that we have a mandate from god to carry a responsibility so a good way to think of it is if you had a little kid and they stayed in their maturity and responsibility state the same they were when they were two then when as we grow older then the different responsibilities that are actually afforded to us we wouldn't be able to manage them well can you understand that and so in that supernatural realm that we live in there are structures and standards that god is pouring out now as instructions towards responsibility. Is that an easy way for you to understand it? No? Yeah. What did I just say? Just kidding. That is so ringy up here, but it's okay if this is the best we can get it. So one of the other thoughts he gave to me was, is what, how well do you follow? That's better. How well do you follow? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so distracting, isn't it? Um, how well do you follow the vision of one life? You know, because if we are going to be, if we're going to choose with our own will to follow a structure of leadership, then we have to understand what that vision is, what that role is. You know, I think it was really easy for me because, you know, I own a business. And so I was interviewing a guy the other day to help us with something. And I just said to him up front, I said, we're really picky, but we're really good and we'll be good to you. You know, and so I'm telling him, what am I telling him? I know a standard and I know my standard and I have it. I'm not going to relent from my standard just because you come in and you look helpful. See, can you understand? This is the same principle that God has. We don't get to rewrite God's intentions with our lack of responsibility. Right. So just like if he comes to work for us, he can't rewrite our standard just because we invited him to work with us. He wants to work and we need help, but we don't rewrite our standard. He doesn't get to come in and say, well, because I'm special or because I even want to work hard even. That I'm going to come in here and you change the way that you set up the company for me. And do you understand that we that we try to do that with God? He has the plan. He has the assignments. He has the vision. And what he does is he creates pockets of tribes of people, of communities of people that he imparts a vision to the leader of the pocket. And then that creates a standard for that entity. And that same standard is different at different places. There's some things that we don't relent from. There's some standards that that have to be the same throughout. But we live in different places of the world. So we have different cultural attributes that we... Uh, meld into that we God has positioned you in this region for a reason and so to long to just live someplace else forever means you will never embrace the assignment here this this was all God's orchestration you ending up right here and when I begin to say wow if he did that there must be a reason to come underneath the structure of a vision that is, it's, it's not my own. It's not Teresa's own vision. And so when someone's carried a vision for what, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to, I explained it to Shudi this way yesterday that, that share, that the goal of sharing in a vision is that God deposits part of the vision keepers into people's hearts. So like Pam has a vision. I have a vision. Let's just say that Lenny has a vision. We started one life with a vision. And so then there's parts of us that should be imparted to other people along with what you brought to the table. So everyone's valuable. Everyone has a part. But if we all just sit on the sideline, that's what a pastor-led church taught us. Let's sit on the sideline and wait for the dude to call you. 
and that created inactivity and irresponsibility and let's just say it and let's just repent from it and let's say I'm not even in that structure anymore I'm not even in that structure and so an apostolic viewpoint has to be different than a pastor led viewpoint or God wouldn't have restored it Yeah. right and so because of that then um I can't seek my own. I love this slide that was in the book. I think it's my first slide there. Let's see. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I just feel like that just needs to kind of be our mantra. That's my, I've believed this longer than I've known you. I remember a day that Pam and I, we could have ran fast and we would have run together but we wouldn't have run with anybody else. We had that choice. We laid down. And, and I can I tell you, I don't even know that it was really a conscious decision. It's just that there became a hunger that other people needed what we experienced. And the hunger superseded our desire to be successful. And, and one day you're going to have this choice too. You know, what? one of the things he told me yesterday was it was the time he was, there was an activation of collaboration is what he said. And, and think of it like this. Whenever there's certain people in the room, like when I start talking to them, it happened with Shudi and I yesterday. She was telling me about this dream that she had and while she's telling me the dream, it activates my spirit. It activates my spiritual gift. What some of y'all are in exile about, mine is fully awake. And so it activates the spiritual gift that has been out of exile in my life for a long time. And so it activates it to what? It begins to reproduce after like kind. I hope you can hear me today. And so the words of her mouth and what she was cultivating through a dream, it began to activate the words in my mouth, right? Yeah. And so we sat there and we just, we just, as fast as we could, we just talked back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then I say something that activates her and she says something. I mean, until, I mean, we had to, she had to postpone her. She was late for her appointment. And because why? We got all activated. Yeah. yeah. See, that's how it's supposed to be. If you want to go alone, I mean, if you want to go fast, you're going to go alone because why? The momentum of strength comes in the, in the unity. That's why he said one can put a thousand. Sure, one person, you yourself, all by yourself, you're powerful. But God math is in the collaboration. It always will be. It'll always be in the unity. And the enemy is right now coming in to really discourage or upset or disrupt or lie about collaboration in this house right now. And so that's why we have to make sure that we realize that's the focus. That will always be one life's focus. I will always want to do it together. Yes. I will always want to wait for the one. I won't move ahead because I want to go together. And so you have to understand if the enemy, let's, let's move on from there. So 
I'm talking to him yesterday and I heard him say this line. I'm standing at the door and knocking. Do you know where the door is located? And so I, I, you know, I know, I knew that was a scripture in the Bible. I stand at the door and knock. Right. Y'all know that's a scripture in the Bible, right? Right. And it dawned on me when he said that, he said, because the enemy's knocking too. Because yeah. he's always counterfeiting what I do. Yes. Wow. Yes. I stand at the door and knock. Do you know where the door is? Because the enemy's always knocking at the door too, because he can only counterfeit for what he's doing. Right. And so I wanted to take you on this little journey with me, okay? So, you know, last week I started with Revelations 19 and then I saw an open heaven. I saw a heaven opened <laughs> and suddenly a white horse appeared and the name of the one riding it was faithful, true with pure righteousness. He judges and rides into battle. That's the position of our hearts has to be to understand how to operate in open heaven. There's parts that I do and there's parts that he does. Yeah. Right. The first thing that John saw through the open heaven was Jesus's position in what is the thing that hinders us the most, which is battling. Wow. Yeah. Listen, you've got to get this or you will you you'll do what I said last week. You will spend all your energy battling the wrong battle. Yes. Hear me today. Yeah. I've been watching y'all do this. You're battling the wrong battle and it's making you exhausted. Yeah. So it's time to make a shift today to say the first thing to maintaining an open heaven over my life is I have to see Jesus positioned on a white horse riding into battle. And I'm not on that horse with him. Listen, I don't battle with flesh and blood. So most of my battling comes, and I hope that it'll be revealed to you in this door-knocking problem that we have, okay? Yes. You've got to know that you are positioned with your little ear bob to hear the knock of Jesus. Yeah. I, I propose to you that your upbringing taught you to hear the knock of the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, I don't open any of the doors that the enemy knocks on. That's the goal. Yes. He's a counterfeiter. Think of it like this. His knock sounds really wimpy. So let's read about the knock, shall we? And Revelation 3 is where it's about. Let's just go over there. Now, you know what Revelation 3 is about, right? It's about these letters to the churches. Do y'all remember that? I've talked about them a lot. We know about, if you jump on down to the letter to the Laodicean church. Now, do you remember what Laodicean means? I've preached on this many times. Do you remember? You don't remember. Human rights and self-righteousness. Human rights and self, I don't know if you know, but this is going on in the world right now. Yes. So Jesus pre-wrote a letter to help us know that if we possess this within us, 
He did, he did this to all the, all the letters to the churches were just ways that the church, who's the church people that ways that the people living on the planet would have heart conditions that he needed to address. Right. Don't think of this as some physical church location building over in Jerusalem or something. This is you. This is a heart condition, right? So listen to this. He says, I know, verse 15, Revelations 3.15, I know all that you do. You're busy, busy. (laughs) Started out with, I know all you do. And I know you're not frozen in apathy. However, you're not fervent with passion. Do you understand that God doesn't want any mediums? That's we grew up hearing this term as lukewarm, right? How I wish you were either one or the other. Why? Why is that? Why is that a pleading in his heart? Oh, I wish that you were either hot or cold. Why? Why? Yeah. Yeah. You're getting it. Yeah. So you would know the condition of your own heart. So you would know what you need to deal with. He's talking to the church. Yes. Yes. Not to the world. Oh, I wish you knew. Because if you were cold, wouldn't you want to get hot? (laughs) Right. Yeah. If you were fervent with passion, wouldn't you know? Yes. Do you know if you're fervent with passion or not? Yeah. But because you're neither cold or hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. This is what it says. It says, this is not a rejection for Jesus to call them to repent, to return to the place of being passionate and zealous for God. This is to the church. He's saying, I'm about to give you the spitting of his mouth. What do you think that is? I'm about to give you a piece of my mouth. I'm about to speak to you. I'm about to give you some correction. I started this service today. Yes, that's so good. Wow. You're going to understand this here, man. For you claim I'm rich and I'm getting richer and I don't need a thing. Yet you're clueless that you're miserable. Poor, blind, barren, naked. So I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire. As soon as I read that, well, let's just keep it. Let me finish reading and I'll come back. Purchase um, gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. All those I dearly love, I unmask and train. Guess who's peeling off that mask you've been hiding behind? The white horse rider. So repent and eat and be eager to pursue what is right. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. And to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege 
of sitting with me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat down with the Father on his throne. The one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying. When you go back to the door knocker, it's where we're at. It says this in the Passion. Jesus is knocking. Jesus is knocking on the door points us to the process of the anxious, ancient Jewish wedding invitation. In the days of Jesus, the bridegroom and his father would come to the door of the bride-to-be carrying the betrothal cup of wine and the bride price. Standing outside, they would knock. If she fully opened the door, she was saying, yes, I will be your bride. Jesus and his father in the same way are knocking on the doors of our hearts, inviting us to be the bride of Christ. So that tells us what is really going on with the door knocking. I like to think of the counterfeit of that. See, the invitation is, I've been waiting for when you're ready for me to bring my son with me, to knock on the door of your heart, to see if you'll say yes to intimacy with him. So what's the counterfeit of that? What would Lou do? Lou would create a knocking. We would try to find it in a person. In a job. We're looking for the intimacy. The What is the intimacy? Being known. We're looking. Let's keep breaking it down. We're looking to be known. When God, the Father, and His His Son are coming to the door, where is the door? See, that's why we have to know where the door is. The door is within. The intimacy happens within. That's why we can't let the counterfeit door be open because we will be on years and years of pursuit with intimacy with things and people and jobs and marriage and relationships and on and on and on and on that that we were never designed by God for those things to meet the same intimacy. See, because think about truly, think about marriage. Marriage, from God's perspective was that you would become one. So that means that neither person would live anymore. In order to make something like him for a time that he chose. So I was supposed to reproduce my oneness in a kid that would then fulfill his, his or her job as, as reproducing the glory of God. Because I became one. I laid down my Adamness. I laid down everything. I became not my own. Yes. See, but we made marriage be the Jesus knocking. Yes. And we keep making Pete wanting people. See, people weren't meant to be Jesus. Right. Yes. You're in, this has all happened interiorly. Your yes. inner heart yes. was made to open the door to the Father. Yes. Yes. And Jesus would come in and you would feast on Jesus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
and he would feast on you. If I'm trying to make everything and everybody be my feast, he has nothing to feast on. And so the enemy always sets up these doors and he always knocks. And on the other side of the door is a counterfeit to true intimacy because he knows true intimacy is what everything else is birthed from. So if I do end up getting married, I birth out of the oneness I made because both parties were already intimate with Jesus. Then they created an ability to reproduce after like kind another human being to be like them. See, when we, when we get married and we have kids and they're just like us in our atomness, they just go do atomness things. Right. So back up. He said, get some gold. This gold was for some purchasing. Well, let's think about gold for a minute. I read a lot about gold the last couple of days. This, I've narrowed it down to this one paragraph, okay? The reason that gold jewelry isn't always pure is because gold is soft. So think about it for a minute. In Revelation, he says, go buy and purchase gold. What does the Bible talk about what is becoming gold? Us. So he's saying, go purchase gold that he'll provide. I propose to you that the gold is you. And that God sets up your life where other people come and gather gold that you have spent time refining. And that gold is to be used, the one that Jesus provides. So let's talk a little bit about gold, the refining process of gold. So interesting enough, in the process of refining gold, you know it has to be heated. I think I read from, it was like roughly from 1,000 to 12,000. I was like, oh, that's a big, that's a big range. What is boiling temperature? Does anybody know? 212. So gold is heated to 1,000 to 12,000. Have you ever stuck your hand in a pot of boiling water? Anyone? Will it burn you? This is 800 800 degrees hotter just to begin to separate what? The elements that aren't gold. Now, this is what it said. To make gold harder, they mix. Other metals. Because why? Gold so soft and pliable. So see, the process of heating your life to get the mixture out. God's not trying to reintroduce more mixture. Just to make you harder. All this stuff that's causing you so much trouble. He's heating up your gold. Yeah. 
Because you've got a mixture of metals. And yeah, it might be good for jewelry, but it's not the kind of gold that you can purchase some ISAF with. It's not the kind of gold you can purchase some white garments with. It's a different kind of gold. See, because what causes us to see different? Other people's lives. Your story. The one you're so ashamed of, the one you try to hide, the one you think that no one else has been through, it's the gold. Yes. It's the one. I mean, I don't know how I even convinced Mendel, let me tell. I mean, she's an introvert. I tell more stuff about her than anybody. I don't even know how we had that conversation. I know I just slid her into it without her knowing it. I was just like, well, won't you just share that? And won't you just share that? <laughs> she had a crappy day yesterday. Won't you just share that? Why? Because she ended up singing the very thing that the fire yesterday produced the words that came out today. See, the fire produces an extraction of the mixture no matter where it came from. You're just mixed. And it made you harder, not softer. It hardened you. So doesn't it make sense that he would, there would have to be some process of refinement? Yeah. I mean, I love the people in the Old Testament. They were always begging for refinement. <laughs> you don't even see it that much in the New Testament, right? In the Old Testament, they're always like, refine me, please. Let's read a couple, shall we? Yeah. In Malachi 3, he says, he's a purifying fire. Yeah. He's like lye soap. He's a refiner of silver. He will purify the descendants of Levi until they're pure. What is pure? It's the softest, most pliable gold there is. They can't even make jewelry out of it because it would smash and bend and crush and scrape and scratch. They got to mix it with some plutonium, I mean, some platinum, not plutonium. That would be funny. (laughs) Easy, come back, come back. They have to mix it with stuff. To make it hard for you to wear a hunk around your neck or around. That's not this kind of gold. Until they are pure, unalloyed or unmixed gold and silver. Then they will draw near to the eternal one presenting offerings with righteous, clean hands. Do you know what he's saying right there? Without going through this purifying process... My worship, my offerings, yeah. Yeah. they really aren't pure. Yeah. Yeah. I might sound good. Yeah. I might can sing on tune. Yeah. You know why Mendel is so impactful, why Shudi is so impactful? Because they have been through the fire. Yeah. The purity, I know them. The purity of what they sing is the purity of what they have been low. They have been through the fire. They have been through something hard. Let's just call it what it is. They've been through something hard and they didn't let it destroy them. They let it change them into something more pure. Yeah. Is it pretty? Probably not. Who would want to just get heated up to 12,000 degrees without doing a little kicking and screaming? But see, if you understand the goal, if you understand this is purifying me because however it happened and when I wasn't watching and when I didn't know it, I became a mixture. I became hardened. 
Sure, people could enjoy me, wear me around their neck. I could entertain people. I could show up at work. I could get married. I could have kids. I could be sort of a good employee. I could be kind of dependable. But see, it's the pureness. It's the pure. I'm just telling you, I've been through this. It's the pureness that you want. You want to allow him to let you experience something that's hard for who? Your little soul, that yeah. little thing that's kicking and screaming, yeah. saying, well, I didn't think it was going to be like this. Yeah. I don't like this. Yeah. I want to get out of this. This wasn't in the Bible. Yeah. This, what, this couldn't mean what, this couldn't be doing anything in me right now. This is just plain hard. No, it's heat. Yeah. Because guess what? He already knows your gold. He was saying in Revelations that, hey, somebody's going to need your gold. I love it in Job. It says, but he knows the way I take and he pays attention to it. And when he's tried me, I will come forth as refined gold, pure and luminous. What's the story of Job? Job, my friend from Florida, he used to call it Job. What's the story of Job? Do you even know? No matter what, he never turned his back on God. He knew stuff and people were not God. He knew he was not his own. Y'all are scared to death of Job. Y'all don't read Job. Y'all are scared to death. That's going to happen to you. You're going to lose everything for the king. Why would he do that? Why would he require that? We're scared to death. Let's be honest. We're scared to death to have a Job experience. But in the middle of it, at the end, Job says, he knows. He would rather be gold. Why? Because someone's going to, he knew that somebody was going to need to purchase what he had. And his desire to be part of that product of what God was really doing on the earth was greater than his fear of loss of the stuff we made. I'm sorry, but God is greater than our husbands and wives and our children. I'm sorry, but he just is. Your call and your assignment on earth is greater than all that. Your children's children's children, their assignment is greater than you. We're afraid of that. Until we deal with that fear, when he comes to refine us in an area that we have control over, we will tell him, I'm going to open a different door. I know you're knocking. I know you're knocking. See, that's why when I experience intimacy with the door knocker, none of this other stuff matters because he'll, he'll give you his perspective. See, we're so afraid because we have not been intimate with him in the area that he wants to heat up. Yes. In James, he tells us, consider it nothing but joy whenever... You have a trial, the various kind. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. 
See, this is the part we don't get because no one taught us this. That that trial, that hard thing, it's producing inner peace. Yeah. <laughs> and no one can buy that from you. Yeah. No one can take that from you. No one can steal it from you, I should have said. No one can take it from you. It produces something in you. What? It produces that you know that you know that you know who He is. And see, there's just some experiences you can't trade. We're so scared to go through anything that we just, we spend so many years trying to prevent it. It, it actually prolongs the refining process. James also said, happy and spiritually prosperous and favored by God is the one who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. See, that's the thing is that the door knocker of Lou is always temptation. The door knocker of Jesus is always a test. They're different. Yes. Happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God is the one who is steadfast under trial and perseveres yes. when tempted. They're both right there. Yep. Why does the human condition go through this? I know. Y'all wish that it just didn't happen. Wish it was just easy all the time. Because God's a rewarder. Choosing His way, He'll always reward it. See, that you're just going to... See, that I can just feel it in the room. I mean, I feel it every time I talk about something like this that we don't even understand what trials in all those words even really mean. Right now, we're just getting triggered that we may go through something bad in the next few days. You're already going through it. That's what you don't understand. (laughs) You're already in it right now. Every time that you struggle with somebody at work or struggle in a relationship or do something wrong or somebody has to correct you, you're in a trial. If you would give up... Just have an expectation. I have an expectation that I'm going to be in relationship with people that are going to tell me that I don't do things well. This happened this week. Somebody told me a story about one of y'all. And it was someone was trying to challenge them into greatness. That's how I like to say it. And so they said, well, do you do this? And they were so proud that they didn't do that this. That they told it, well, I don't even do that. I don't do that anymore. They're just proud. And the other person said, well, I could think of some things we could put on the list. And they were like, no, just celebrate. Just celebrate that I don't do that anymore. Do you see how we sidestep any growth? By like, no, but look what I do. Look what I do. But look over there. Well, that's not the growth moment then. Right. 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 Pat yourself on the back. You just became like Jesus. Right? Listen, there's always growth. That's why I don't understand. Where were we conditioned? Think about in the apostolic, it's always pioneering. So what's it doing? It's always doing something that hasn't been done yet. Right. What's the chance we do that right? 
Zero. That's how you know that I don't care if we do it wrong. It gives me something to sculpt on. I wish you were a big solid of confidence and I could come in with my chisel and actually hoon you into something. Blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God is the one who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. Who's tempting? God or Lou? Do you know that for sure? Are you 100%? Do you know the difference between a test and temptation? One's God. One's not. So we need steadfastness when tested. And we need perseverance. I propose to you that perseverance is knowing that you're saved even if you sin. Yes. Being able to skip along two yeah. seconds later when you just blew it. Yeah. Come on. That's so good. Or what are you going to do? Spend a couple years in hot? I mean, you're just going to be all jammed up for two years because you did something wrong? Perseverance is, I, yeah, I screwed up. I'm sorry. And I'll just keep running as if I never have ever sinned. We're not good at these things. Yeah. We're not good at either one of these things. We're freaked out about any sort of test or trial. And we don't even understand it's teaching us to be favored by God and he can reward us. And when we're tempted and then we actually succumb to temptation, we sin. We have to go into hiding for two years. Yeah. Yes. It says, for when he's passed the test and been approved. We're fine to do this at work. We're so fine at work to do this. Oh, no, not at church. Oh, no, not in the kingdom. No, no, don't don't even tell me if I'm passing or not. Don't even tell me that I got a zero on the paper. Don't even do that. Don't even I'm whatever I bring. It's just good. Church is the only place. We have no scorecard. No, no, what's that other thing called at school? Report card. We just show up, do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, and just, you know, we feel so good about whatever we did. We have no report card here. At work you do. Do you understand? Where do you think they got the principle of raises and bonuses? A rewarder of things done According to the company standard, you are working in a company called the kingdom. So obviously it should have some process in mind to say, let's have a test today and let's give you a report card of how you did. We're freaked out by that. In fact, we won't even tell people of an experience that we have. We'll wait until it trickles down some way through some sort of grapevine to finally get to somebody who will say something. If it gets to me, it's gone through a lot of channels. I'm like, well, why didn't they get it? Why didn't they get it? Why didn't they get it? But I will get it. Wouldn't it be great if... Everyone would get it all the time. Wouldn't it be great if you knew that you messed up, you ran to somebody and said, man, I need to know another way to do this. This was no good. My my scorecard's an F. Yes. 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 
instead of I'm not going to tell anybody and then when they come to you you're like well but that other person did this and they did this and they did that and they were doing that and I was thinking that and I was doing this and I was driving and I was busy and I couldn't uh, I was not gonna, uh, okay listen I don't know about all that I don't know about all that but this is what you did now I don't know I just don't even want to you might as well say I don't want to own that and I don't want to be tested like that and I don't want any reward so back off just say that just say that just back up I don't want any reward from Jesus I don't want nothing I don't want to learn to be steadfast no I don't want any help from you no back up but see, when you said yes to the door knocker. Right. See, we're trying to learn how to maintain open. Maintain open. Maintain open. If I want to maintain an open heaven, I have to maintain an open door to intimacy with Jesus, which requires me to be refined so that he can produce gold in me so when people are coming in from the harvest, they'll actually see some people with some substance. Yes. They're going to need some salve for their eyes. They're going to need the gold in you that you did when you got salve for your eyes and made you unblind. You're the gold. It's you. The harvest is coming and they're looking for the gold in you that you let Jesus refine in you by actually getting hot enough for the impurities to be separated so you can be pure, so you can be soft enough to love. I'm still in verse 12, James 1, 12. For when he passes the test and he's been approved, he will receive the victor's crown. Who's got that? The victor. See, the thing I like to think about is, have you ever been in agony emotionally? Anyone ever been? Can you just go back right now? Just going to trigger you a little bit. Go, go back right now to a moment in time where you were just laying in bed and you were whining. I'm sorry, you were crying and you were in agony and you felt all alone, right? Well, see, that happened to Jesus, but he actually sweat blood. So just go back to that moment. Did you have some blood coming off your brow? So let's just say that he, he understands depth of emotion to the point of sweat. Have you ever sweated before? I know Lynn's never sweated, I don't think. Have you ever sweated before? Yes. Think about that being blood. No. You would be pretty anguished no. interiorly. Agreed? Yes. Right? No. So couldn't we say... That Jesus is acquainted with our grief. Do you believe that though? Or do you think your grief is the worst there ever has been on the planet? So that tells us that humanity, I don't know anybody personally that's ever suffered so much anxiety that they sweated blood. But I've seen people, I've had anxiety, I've seen people with anxiety. 
and it's not pretty. Yeah. It feels horrible. Isn't it weird though? It passes. Yeah. Yeah. Your body doesn't live in anxiety 24 seven, the rest of your life. Right. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah. It's waves, right? So here's the event that happens. There's a lot of roller coasters really close to the event, yeah. right? Are you agree? Are you with me? As time goes, if you do good healing, but even if you don't, but if you do, it's better if you do. The roller coaster gets not as steep, not as often. But do you understand that when the enemy knows that you have experienced grief, then when you're on the roller coaster and anxiety is happening, he knocks at that door right there. If you open it right there, you're going to find a lie on the other side that makes the grief process longer. I'm just helping you, Dave. I see it happen all the time. And so what he's saying is, is that he's already won the victory. He has a crown of life. Remember, we're talking about an inner thing here. This knocking is going on on the inside. And remember, we're trying to produce inner peace. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm doing. Yes. Agreed? Yeah. You can't get that in a pill. You can't get that in a relationship. You can't get that in a job. You can't get that in a house. Yeah. You can't create stability out of in- unstable things. Right. So this is all an inner work, yes. right? And so he's saying that when you realize the purpose of the fire, like if you had been born to the earth and your family said to you, okay, now listen, when hard things happen, this is good. This is a refining process. And the things that are hard today, if you do the refining process, they won't be hard tomorrow. And as you go through that, the refinement of God will produce an inner peace within you. That no matter what happens on the planet, you can know that you know that you know you're good. Your purpose is never taken from you. It's all working together for good. And someone else is actually moving the puzzle pieces around, not you. (laughs) Then what would you do with life? You skip along. You'd be like, hey, refinement's happening right now. Not us, no. We're like, freak out. Oh my gosh, what has just happened? Who is this? What are you doing? Why are you talking to me? This? What's happening? I mean, we're freaking out. I bet that is just 300 degrees. It's not even. (laughs) I mean, I just propose none of y'all have had 12,000 degree heat in here. Back to my refining comment. To make gold harder and stronger, they mix metals such as platinum, palladium, silver, or copper. 
Gold is heated and melted at a temperature between 1,000 and 12,000 degrees. The metals in the alloy separates from one another upon melting and gold sinks to the bottom. So think about that just for a minute. When the heating process happens, all the stuff you're dealing with, it's all the mixture, y'all. Yes. Yeah. The gold has already sunk to the bottom. Let's get that off the top. What we do is we stop that process. We're like, oh, the valuable. You're coming and getting the valuable stuff. Right. I'm getting too soft. Right. Introverts shut down. Extroverts power up. <laughs> That's the moment the hand of God is trying to scoop that dross. The dross is the mixture of things you were taught, ways you believe, lies that you just open the door to. Lou's like, uh, attention, please. We're like, oh, I don't know. You see what's behind this door? Oh. <laughs> we don't even protect our gold. We don't even protect what. See, the thing is, you have to remember in the heating process, it's not the time to expand. That's so That's good. good. Wow. That's really good. It's the time to let that process happen. Get the dross off. Get that gold poured into some sort of mold that other people can use and coin shapes or something. (laughs) Have you yet figured out that some of the stuff you went through before, now people are coming and they want your wisdom? Has that happened for you yet? Where do you think you got that gold? You actually had a little coin to hand them. How much gold did you have before? You were the same place they were. If you can see at all where they're at, and you know you've been there, you bought ISAF from someone. If you walk in any bit of purity with no shame anymore, you bought some clothes from somebody. You maybe didn't know what was going on, but see, other people are going to come and you're going to have to know. Man, I got some sad for you, sister. You are blinder than a bat. Now, you can't say that like that. You have to come in another way. You have to come in a way that their blindness won't scare, that they you won't scare them. We don't know that either. We're just like, well, this is truth and this is truth. <laughs> I'm just going to give you truth because it's truth. Right. No, you've got to learn to be diplomatic. See, you've got to know if, who you're working with. You've got to know, do they need some of your coinage? Do they need some of your wisdom or not? Right? You have something valuable is what I'm trying to say. You can't throw your pearls before swine. You can't throw it out to everybody. Everybody isn't even ready. Everybody isn't even on the fire of getting burned. Some people don't even know it exists. See, this is the truth. When you come to Jesus is the easy part. That's That's the honeymoon stage, baby. (laughs) Man, I got out of that old pit. And man, I feel, I feel the love of God. And we want that. 
to go on forever just like that. We want everybody to provide for us and give to us and be good to us. And then we realize we have a purpose. We have an assignment. We have instructions. And depending on how atrophied our ability is to do instructions and do responsibility, this might take 10 more years of somebody trying to convince us, you know, I don't know if you know this, but this is a great thing you're investing in here, your life. And that's where we are, a lot of us. Why are we talking about this soul? Because it's running. Can you not see how it is running your life? It is causing you to respond and to think and to give and to do and to be in a way you don't even like. It's called unwanted for a reason. Thank you, Lynn. Daniel 12, let's look at that, shall we? I love this. It says, many will be purged or purified and made white. Rush to the exit, girls. Many will be, all of a sudden, Daniel 12, and everybody pops up. And we're like, if she's going to go on, we're going to have to go to the bathroom. We thought maybe she was done. She was landing this plane and she had like, she's going for another 10 minutes or 15 or so. I just looked at the clock and I felt like I have 15 more minutes. So, yes. right. Many will be purged, purified and made white and refined. Many. But the wicked will behave wickedly. None of the wicked shall understand even. But those who are spiritually wise will understand. That's amplified. Here it is in the voice. Many will keep themselves pure and clean and refined despite the pressures of these times. But those who are wicked will continue in their wicked ways and none of them will ever understand. But those who are wise will understand. I don't know about you, but I feel like it's saying, if I keep me pure. Does that not sound like Revelation 19, where it says the bride has made her, I don't have time to read. The bride has made herself what? The bride has made herself ready. It sounds like this to me. Okay, we've got a big wedding coming up and the bride just shows up in her lawn gear. She's been working out in the yard. She's got mud all over her. Everybody in the room had an expectation. Everybody in the room had an expectation to what? To experience the beauty of the bride. Beauty of the bride. It's time to come alive. Okay? It's the same way. The world, the God spot in everyone has an expectation of you that you made yourself ready. Despite the pressures of these times. Isn't it a testament of who God thinks you are? that you were born in this time? Yes. yes. Did God know about COVID? Yeah. Wait, COVID? God, no. 
Did God know about COVID? Did God know about Biden? I mean, did God know about who would be president? Did he know about the Tokyo Olympics? Did, did he know that OU was going to win in dramatic fashion yesterday? This is the time you were born. Many will keep themselves pure and clean and refined. Pure, clean, refined. Despite the pressures of these times. But there's going to be some that don't. Who are you? Which one are you? What does it take to keep? I propose to you is this open heaven. The door knocker is inviting you. The father came with the son to your house and knocked on your door. And when you said yes, because you opened the door, you said yes to intimacy. And intimacy with God is what creates a hope an open heaven. Yes. And when you have and are standing in an open heaven, you can see the Son of God lifted up. And he said, I'll draw everybody to me. Come on, Mendel. What a good message. Wow. Excuse me. Well, you know, I love um, the absolutes of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I think they provide a lot of security, especially in chaotic times. And one of the things I was thinking about as Tisa was sharing this message about purifying gold is, <clears throat> you know, God tells us that he'll take everything and turn it for good for those who love him. So one of the situations I find myself in a lot of times is not knowing whether I'm if the enemy's trying to attack me or if God's trying to refine me in something. And when I, when I have that experience, I can get really caught up and tangled up in, in which one it is. Cause you know, which way should I posture myself? But I think the absolute truth, absolute of God that I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, hearing today is that even if it's the enemy starts off in, with some sort of process, God will take it and turn it for something good, and he will just turn it into a refining process for us. So regardless, we can just trust that He will, we will come out more pure on the other side of it. And I love, I, I started seeing this picture before Tisa even said it about the part being skimmed off the top. The, the, the dross, the mixture, the, it's the waste material that gets skimmed off the top. And so that's also resonated with me and how it feels sometimes when I'm in a firestorm of lies and thoughts that are all coming to the surface at the same time. And it can, it can feel really confusing and chaotic, but if we could just remember the one thing that, okay, well, this is all rising up because he's about to just wipe it off. And we're, and then we're the purity of gold in us is what remains. And so I think just having that picture in mind will bring a lot more um, calmness to the process. And maybe we won't get tangled up with the enemy if we don't engage with those lies 
You know, it's no, it does no good to engage with the lies. Everything that's coming to the top, if we could just say, you know, God, just, just wipe this off. Whatever is not of you, just wipe it off. I, I call it waste. I don't need to look deeper at the lie or run it down the road. He's, it's just waste material, dross. Doesn't that, I don't even know what that word means exactly, but it sounds like waste, dross. It's just dross. So um, I, before Tisa said that, you know, I kind of, I, I looked up the, that ancient process of uh, refining gold where, cause I wanted to be sure uh, that the dross was what was at the top, you know? And so I, it said, it talked about the crucible and how the, that holds the gold. And it said at the end that, you know, once that top layer is wiped off, that then it can be poured into a mold. And when Tisa read that verse in James about the victor's crown, I just saw that perfectly, that he takes that gold and he pours us into the crown. You know, we, be, we become the crown, the victorious crown. And of course, our, the crown is symbolic of our minds and how we think. And so we receive a purified way of thinking, a victorious way of thinking on the other side of this process. So I think that's just a really cool picture to keep keep in mind. And I think another thing that's really important, I did not know I, what Tisa was going to preach on today. And so those the words that um, one of the times that I sang out in worship about let our passion arise and it have the final say. I feel like that's just such a critical message for us today to always to make a commitment that our passion for him will have the final say. Because when we're in the midst of the storm, it can feel so chaotic and so crazy and so heavy and all those different things. But at the end of the day, if we just say, okay, God, I trust what you're doing. I trust in your ways. And at the end of the day, my passion for you is going to have the final say. Whether I feel better or not, whether it's all over or not, that is, I believe, how you persevere. Like she said, that's perseverance. So let our passion have the final say. So, Papa, I just want to say thank you today for this message. I thank you for what you dropped onto Tisa's heart and mind yesterday, that you led us to this nugget of, of such solid truth. And I just thank you that you are so willing and that you would put us at the, in this season at a place where we can be refined because you know that in our heart of hearts, we want to be those who display your glory, that your glory can flow through. So it's such a critical time in history, in the history for humanity, for us to be purified. Because when your glory outpouring comes and it increases as it's already doing, we want to be purified vessels that can display your glory and be vessels that your glory can easily flow through. We don't want to be just a little trickle of glory. We want uh, your glory to just flow like a river through us. So thank you for refining us. Thank you for refining us. We thank you. We thank you even when it's hard, even when it's painful, even when it seems chaotic and absolutely crazy. We just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are always there to comfort and guide us and lead us. And thank you, Jesus, that you are the victorious rider, faithful and true, riding in on the white horse. No matter what it feels like to us, you are always ready to provide victory. You are bringing us into greater levels of glory and victory in every moment of every day. 
Your word says the kingdom of God is always advancing and it's true on every level. On every level, the kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is in us and it is advancing in us. So no matter what we're experiencing, the kingdom of God is advancing in that moment. So we thank you, thank you, thank you. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you seal this word into each person's heart and mind. Holy Spirit, that you would bring it to their remembrance no matter what they're going through and that you would help us to partner with you in the process in a greater way from this day forward. We just love you and we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One other thing I wanted to add real quick, this, when we were on vacation in Colorado recently, we went into all these souvenir shops, you know, and they have all these little souvenir type stuff. And I meant to take a picture of it, but I never did. But this impression is in my mind and it was a, a display of, you know, souvenirs or the gifts you can buy for people. And so there are all these little bottles with different names on them. It was a whole display. And so you could find your name or the name of someone you were buying a gift for. But this particular thing, they were little tiny bottles of gold flakes that had names on them. And I looked at that picture. I looked at that image. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, that's, that's what Tisa sees. She sees this whole crowd of us and those to come too. And she sees the gold flakes inside. And so she sees it. If they were clear glass bottles and she sees us that way. And so I just want to give her honor today for seeing the gold in us that, that we can't see. Thank you. Thank you for teaching us, helping us understand. Thank you for seeing the gold in us. So, Papa, I just pray, pray a blessing over Tisa, too. I just pray for um, that you would strengthen her, that you would restore her, that you would bring refreshment to her, and that you would just multiply the blessing of your joy and excitement in her heart. So we just give her great, great honor, great, great honor today. Thank you for her. Thank you for the gift that she is. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read this one other verse real quick, if I can find it. In Song of Songs, uh, I've been camping out there for a while lately, and there's a place, I believe it's in verse 8, I mean in chapter 8. Bear with me for just a minute. Yeah, verse uh, 12. I just feel like this, this word, res this verse resonates in my heart today. So Song of Songs 8, verse 12. But as for my own vineyard of love, this is the Shulamite talking, I give all the glory to you. I give all the glory to you. She says, my bridegroom king has a vineyard of love made from a multitude of followers. His caretakers of this vineyard have given my beloved their best. But as for my own vineyard of love, I give all the glory to you. And I will give double honor to those who serve my beloved and have watched over my soul. So we give you double honor today, Tisa. We love you. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. 
For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay